Hello and welcome to Indie Radio. Indie Radio is an indie game development talk show which is here to bring you interviews with both large and lesser known developers, recap the latest news, debate about topics in indie gaming, and give you some tips and tricks for your journey into game development. Today I will be your host, Brett Hudson, broadcasting live from the Midwest United States. And I'll be the co-host and broadcasting from the East Coast. And we have a special guest with us today, Robert Bussey. Busey. Oh, Busey, <laughs> sorry. No worries. Everybody does it. Right, and he is working on a game called Sword and Board. So after we go through our news, we will um, get with the interview. Uh, do you want to give a quick little introduction other than that? Uh, I guess you pretty much said everything. I'm working on uh, Sword and Board right now. Um, I've been in indie development for a little while now, and I came from... Uh, bigger studios like uh, like Big Fish Games and stuff like that. That's pretty much where I started, and I got kind of bored with the corporate environment. So now I'm doing indie stuff, because indie is, well, way better. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so after the short music break, we'll get into our news. So we have a handful of news topics today. It looks like there are seven. All right. And as always, you can join us in the IRC, which can be found at IndieFunction.com slash radio. Or you can go on the Afternet.org network and join the Indie Function channel if you have an IRC client. So there's two options there. And as always, Robert is in there. I'm in there. Um, Ian might jump in, but he's having some issues with his Internet. He's... Actually, not online on Skype right now. Uh, so you can join us on there, ask questions, um, suggest topics to talk about, and you know, more. <laughs> right, so the first indie gaming news is that Indie Power Magazine issue number two was released. Uh, it's technically the third issue since we started with issue number zero. That was a test issue. So you can go check it out at IndiePowerMag.com. And we have about... Um, 36 pages, if I remember correctly. It's been a couple weeks since we released it. Uh, there's a handful of reviews in there, uh, some cool articles. We have a uh, couple new writers with Brittany and this guy, uh, Kylo, who's still trying to decide on a name to use for the magazine. And Brittany wrote a really cool article on uh, physical versus digital games and uh, what indie game developers can learn from uh, board games. It's a pretty cool article. So if you want to read that, definitely check it out for that article alone. All right, uh, Ian, how's your internet doing? Um, and he went offline again. Okay, so I'm going to jump into the next news topic. Uh, Game Maker Studio 1.2 was released, and uh, there are some new updates. I don't know all the exact details, but they uh, have some new shader support. There's a new Yo-Yo Games compiler uh, for Windows, I think, iOS, and Android. Um, 
but the new compiler is basically twice as fast and it makes the games run a lot smoother so there's a lot of uh, optimizations there and then the price of game maker studio master collection has increased from 500 to 800 dollars or 499 to 799 and the full range of platforms that you can develop for now is windows mac windows 8 um android html5 ios ubuntu uh windows phone 8 and blackberry so you know there's a good good chunk of the market pretty much everything right there uh, that you can develop for using game maker studio and uh, i recently tried out the program for the first time in probably a year and it is insane how many updates that they've made to it it feels like a completely different program than it used to be game maker studio is good mm-hmm. all right and then gog launches an indie games portal uh, it's to kind of compete with Steam and uh, Steam Greenlight, and indie developers can submit their games to GOG.com, or GOG.com, whichever you want to call it, and, you know, their game will be put on the site DRM-free, and they make uh, money from people buying and trying out their game. It's a 70-30 split. Mm-hmm. Yep. At first, or no... That's Unless you take the advance. <laughs> yeah, the the advance is 60-40. Right. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I was reading that wrong, sorry. I got kind of confused. Yeah, I think it's 60-40, and then once they recoup their advance back, then it goes back to the 70-30. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you can go to our site, bulletin.indiefunction.com, to check up on all these news articles uh, as well as the one that we're talking about, because there's there's videos linked with a lot of these, um, such as this one. There's a half a dozen developers in the video, I think. Uh, half a dozen indie developers that talk about working with GOG.com, their experience, and why you should uh, sign up with them. Ian, you want to take the next one? I think it's safe. I swear, every time I say his name, it's just his internet shuts off. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Steam Greenlight is having a first anniversary sale. I can't believe that Greenlight's been out for a year. It, it, it feels longer, but it also feels way shorter. I Yeah, I don't know. absolutely. It feels like it's, it's been right. around forever, but only <laughs> six months. Especially for people that have had games on Greenlight, oh, it probably yeah. feels like an eternity. <laughs> Definitely. The uh, the sale has 50 games, possibly a bit more, uh, on sale up to 75% off, and there's some good games on here. Uh, a few that we've actually um, done reviews of in the magazine and checked out on our uh, YouTube channel. Uh, you can check out the sale just on store.steampower.com slash sale slash greenlight sale or you can go to our blog and you know get the link on there click on it instead of having to type that out uh, you know I don't know what else there is to say about it there's uh, Rush Bros Incredipede Dream Papers Please there's 
50 games on it. It's all the games, or not all the games, but a good majority of the games that have done really well in Greenlight. And then the next topic is Unity 3D 4.3. And this is probably the most exciting piece of news, in my opinion. Unity 3D is now allowing for 2D development. They are adding a ton of tools to Unity to make 2D development using their program super, super simple. Thank God. <laughs> it's like the biggest news ever because I've been thinking about maybe making a 2D game in Unity and now it's going to be really easy. Um, yeah, that was one of the reasons why I didn't use Unity for Sword and Board. <laughs> um, so the uh, new editor tools are going to allow you to import sprites and uh, even sprite sheets and it figures it all out for you behind the scenes it splits up your images um, animates them you can even put together different parts of your sprite and in their animator and animate um, multiple images so you can put in joints and stuff there's a whole physics engine behind it for 2d games they went overboard and it is looking awesome. Um, the world editor is slightly changed now for the 2D games. And um, it's just really amazing what they're doing with it. Uh, they have some more stuff coming to Unity 4.3. Oh, wrong link. Yeah, I, I could look it up, but it would take a little while to find <laughs> the exact stuff. So uh, that's just part of what's coming in 4.3 so as you can tell it's a pretty big update i would have probably done like unity 5 or something for this because <laughs> it's it's a whole new thing yeah it's a whole new great thing yes a whole new great thing and there are some big 2d games that have been made with unity like uh, battle heart tumble drop skeet safari bad piggies and uh yep. gear walk to name a few yeah, absolutely. No, it's definitely going to make, uh, I guess I could say, like, the barrier of entry mm -hmm. uh, a lot less. I mean, like I said, that was one of the reasons why I didn't really want to use Unity, because there's a lot of different things you have to worry about when making a 2D game. Like, you have to worry about, like, isometric camera and all that other stuff. And it was just like, when you use a 2D engine for a 2D game, it's a lot more straightforward, because that's what it was built for. Mm -hmm. So now that they're putting actual, like, 2D tools in Unity, it's going to be so much better yeah so um what, what am i trying to say um the the upgrade is uh free for all current unity uh owners and um you know i i would have imagined that they would have called it unity 3d 5.0 and then charged an extra 200 300 dollars for all the 2d tools but yeah. It's just part of the program. Well, good on them. Very good. So, go make some games with that and submit <laughs> it to us. Send us press copies. <laughs> Alright, so Xbox One's uh, ID program uh, has been announced. ID stands for Indie Developers, or sorry, Independent Developers, as they, they put it. Um, so, that's that's really creative there. Uh, so they they announced it at Gamescom, 
And basically, indie developers are going to be able to self-publish to the Xbox One, much like Sony is allowing for PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation Vita systems. And, um... I, I really don't know what more to say. They, you can develop for the Xbox One now. And you can sign up at... Xbox.com slash developers slash ID or something like that. And um, all you have to do is apply uh, to join, and then they basically do a little background check. Hey, have you made games before? Hey, are they any good? Hey, is your new game going to be any good? And if the answer is yes to all those, then they'll probably let you on to uh, make a game for it, and then they send you a development kit and all that, all that great stuff. They, they do say that all Xbox games, or Xbox One games, are treated as equal, so you're not going to be put above, um, you know, like, any, I think I said this backwards, you're not going to be below, uh, like, console, or AAA games, but you're not going to be above them either, you're just going to be treated equal, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, Sony's doing the same thing, I mean, most of their conferences, which brings us to our next point actually, have been all about um, indie games with a few big shot games uh, being announced, but at Gamescom, they announced that there's more than a dozen uh, new indie games uh, and indie game console debuts on the PlayStation 4, PlayStation Vita, and PlayStation 3 systems, including Hotline Miami 2, wrong number, Fez, um, N++, Rogue Legacy, The Binding of Isaac Rebirth, Wasteland Kings, Volume Velocity 2X, Samurai Gun, uh, almost done with this list, Assault, Android Cactus, Final Horizon, Guns of Icarus Online, and Switch Galaxy Ultra. So there's, there's a good, good list of, uh, indie games coming awesome and then oh there's some more for the vita like uh, joe danger one and two kicking fenrix so yeah um i'm super excited to see that it's it's kind of weird seeing that indie games are all of a sudden becoming console sellers pretty much yeah, I'm just glad to actually be seeing a lot more support from bigger companies mm-hmm. now. I mean, they're definitely seeing that, you know, independents aren't really going anywhere and that there's a lot of passion there. So it's good to see them kind of, like, trying to make it easier for us. Like, you know, Microsoft dropping the whole certification thing and everything else. <laughs> yeah. Because I know that was a, a big deterrent for a lot of people for a long time. Mm-hmm. And there's been... I probably two dozen indie developers that have said don't ever work with xbox (laughs) (laughs) so hopefully that'll change some Um, more vocal than others mm -hmm. yeah team meat said no phil said no i don't know about jonathan blow i i think when we interviewed him he said no but yeah well i mean you know, and then when they announced the PlayStation 4, it was like, oh, and the witness is on the PlayStation 4. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Whether he said it or not, I think that kind of shows the greater picture. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Hmm. Uh, is, 
how many people are in our IRC. Alright, we only have half a dozen people in our IRC, which is <laughs> making me sad. So, join us in our IRC and suggest um, some news topics if you have any. Um, or else we're going to move on to the interview and then uh, we'll be asking people for questions when we run out, which hopefully won't be too soon. That's never fun. <laughs> Alright, so it looks like nobody's suggesting any, so I'm going to play some music and then we'll chat. So, as stated before, our interview today is with Robert, how did you say it? Busey. Busey. Just like Gary Busey, because he's insane. Busey. Alright. Busey, Busey, Busey. I got it. So, he's working on a game called Sword and Board, which is currently on Kickstarter. Go check it out, please. Yes, please. (laughs) It's looking uh, phenomenal from uh, the images that I've seen so far. So uh, tell us a little bit about your game. Uh, So it's largely kind of based on my own kind of terrible childhood. Um, (laughs) It's a top-down adventure game that's really kind of puzzle-oriented. It's kind of retro-inspired because, I mean, I grew up in the 80s, so that's kind of wherever I go back to when I start thinking about games. Um, And it's basically about a kid going on a little pretend adventure with his little cardboard sword and shield, um, and he's searching for his lost video game console pieces. And uh, it's something my dad did with me when I was little. Um, I kind of grew up and didn't really have a lot, so basically every Christmas is when I would ask for my video games, because uh, getting them any other time of year was kind of not going to happen. So he would... Uh, he always had this whole philosophy of kind of making me work for it rather than just, like, here's your Nintendo. Um, so he would, like, take it out of the box, which annoyed me to no end because I wanted to be the person to unwrap it. Um, but he would take it out of the box and, like, leave my console somewhere and then my power cord somewhere else and, like, my <laughs> controller somewhere and then my game or whatever. And he would, like, leave me little riddles and, like, basically send me on a scavenger hunt for my pieces until I found it all. Oh, that's so much fun. Yeah, and, well, it, it was kind of annoying when you are a little kid, but, like, because <laughs> all I wanted to do was just get to my video games. Let me play. Um, but then that kind of became the premise for the game. Um, and when I was young, I ended up having to live without power for three years, so, which was awful. And I pretty much had to make my own kind of fun. So my dad was a glass worker, and he would uh, bring me, after my parents split up, he would bring me these boxes, these huge boxes from work, and he would make me, like, these little cardboard houses and stuff out of and like, I'd make little forts and stuff out of them in my, like, living room, and then I'd take them out to the backyard on a nice day or whatever, and I would make myself, like, a little cardboard sword and shield with, like, the cardboard that I had gotten and duct tape. And I would just go on like these little imaginary adventures because I couldn't play my video games, so I would like reenact them in my backyard. <laughs> and that was basically what I did. And so that's pretty much what the game is. I mean, it's just kind of like a, a digital childhood that I had. 
Yeah, it sounds really great, and it's very personal. Like, uh, yeah, it, it didn't start off that way, and then I just kept throwing things that I remember doing when I was a kid into it, and the next thing I know, it was pretty much like 95% my childhood. And then, uh, yeah, that's just kind of where it went. Um, so, I'm guessing that you feel pretty attached to it? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, definitely. Like I said, it didn't, I never really intended it to kind of be that way. And then, uh, you know, as I was trying to think of, like, story ideas or, like, like what is his motivation for going on this little quest? And then I was like, oh, well, remember when Dad used to do this? And then I would, like, yeah, that, that'd be a cool little idea. And, like, a lot of people, like, on the Kickstarter or on Greenlight or whatever, have kind of kind of latched on to this whole, like, I don't know, like, moral dialogue like of like video games are bad and like use your imagination and go out and play or whatever uh-huh. and, and that was never an intention either but I, I guess I can see how they can take it that way so it's kind of grown on its own <laughs> since then but yeah I'm incredibly attached to it at this point it's like my own little my own little baby and I hate it when people like you know try to take it away from me in a sense <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't see the uh, the video games are bad thing coming out of that. Well, I'm glad because that wasn't <laughs> definitely wasn't what I was trying to say. Considering you know I'm making video games and I play video games, so that would be kind of hypocritical, I guess. Yeah, I, I would hope that you wouldn't say, "Oh yeah, don't play video games." Man. Video games are bad. Play as this. I say that in my video game. Yeah, play this game to learn why not to play games. To exactly. <laughs> That was kind of like my whole thought when people were bringing that. I was like, really? You you got that out of that? <laughs> it's like reading a book to learn how to read books. Yeah. Though I, I wouldn't doubt that that probably exists somewhere. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, what other games have you worked on besides Sword and Board? Uh, well, I... I did like some small things uh, with some bigger companies. The mi- the most recent one that I worked on was with uh, Hashbang Games, and that was uh, Gravy, which actually just got greenlit. Okay. Um, Gravy's uh, like two point five D kind of like side scroller, but it, it was done in Unity, so it's kind of three D ish, um, and it's really gravity based. So you basically play as a little kind of anthropomorphic ball (laughs) with an eye okay and uh he's an alien test facility and you basically have to use his little gravity shot um they call it mitosis and so you have like small and large mitosis and you can basically use it to like stick to a wall and swing up so you can't actually jump so you actually have to use this like mitosis thing to like fly at the ceiling and then fly over some spikes or some other like hazards and stuff like that that it's pretty cool. cool It's definitely worth checking out. I did, I came into the uh, the project pretty late, so I didn't actually have much feedback as like as far as the design goes. But I came in as a concept artist for Hashbang and a UI designer, and so all the UI that you actually see in Gravity is the UI that I redesigned and redid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You want to send me a link to that? Um, yeah. And I can I I can put it in the magazine. For yep. people to check out. Absolutely. And I'm kind of interested in seeing it too. <laughs> Did you say it just released? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's actually been released for a little while, so you can actually get it like on Desura and uh, stuff like that. Okay. Um, already, so you can buy it and play it and whatever else. Um, but it's been up on Steam for a while now, or okay. up on Greenlight, I should say. And uh, it just got greenlit like a couple days ago. Oh, nice. Like that's the I I put in the. Oh okay. The yeah, main. Yeah, I'm gonna put in the IRC too for anybody who's in here. Oh, I already did. <laughs> you already did. Perfect. You are on top of things. Yeah. Um, it just so happened that that was what I clicked back to, and somebody's like Link. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Shout out to I am Scissors. So, would you say that? Your uh, experience developing Gravity was an overall, or well, not developing, but working with the Hashbang Studios was an overall good experience? Uh, yeah. Um, well, it was great, too, because the reason I got that job was because uh, a bunch of people that I had gone to school with for game development before okay. um, went off and worked for them. So, like, they got internships and stuff as far as, like, their graduation requirement and got internships, and then they got hired on full-time. And then apparently the previous concept artist and UI designer wasn't really working out. Mm-hmm. So they were like, well, we know a guy. And uh, I was working at Big Fish Games at the time. And they were like, well, you know, we'll bring you on as kind of like a test thing. Um, and But we'll pay you. So we'll pay you and then we'll give you like a little trial run. And so... They're like, yeah, we'll uh, see how it's working out after a couple weeks. And then, like, four days into my little trial run, they're like, okay, we want to bring you on. Because <laughs> I was just, like, pounding it out really quick. And uh, so that day, I got my offer letter, and I gave my two weeks at Big Fish. And I was like, all right, I'm off to do indie stuff. Perfect. Um, yeah, and then I really got into, like, more of a team environment, like a, a small team environment, which was really nice. Um because we were pretty much all working out of their own little home office. Mm-hmm. And so it was literally like four of us in the same room, just kind of like bouncing ideas off each other. Actually, there was five of us, but uh, sometimes Tom wasn't there. <laughs> but uh, we would basically just bounce ideas off each other and then, you know, post things to this like little whiteboard of ideas we had and stuff like that. Oh, whiteboards are great. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it, it was kind of a cool little process. Like, we would write things on sticky notes that we either wanted in a game or didn't want to see, uh, <laughs> and then we would stick them on the whiteboard, and then we would kind of put them together and kind of get, like, an overarching theme. Like, okay, so Rob doesn't want bikini armor in an RPG game, <laughs> because that's stupid. And then, you know, we would just kind of put it together and then figure out, like, what the overarching theme was and then kind of go from there. So it, it was kind of cool uh, in that sense. Um, and it really kind of helped my own process when I actually sat down and started kind of working by myself on my own game. Mm-hmm. So it, it definitely helped. It's, it's much different from, like, a larger company where you're kind of, you know, a small team watched by one person that kind of hears something from someone higher up and then kind of has to filter it down to you guys. Mm-hmm. It was much more of a collaborative process as far as, like, small indie development goes, which was really cool. Yeah, that's definitely one of the things that make indie development great is that you only have a few people to um, 
work ideas around and they're all passionate about it so you're gonna yeah. get a good result you're not gonna get oh no, is, is this gonna make us the most money is this is this the most generic crap that's out there <laughs> yeah exactly it was just like uh that that's the main thing was i i and not to bad mouth bigger companies well, because yeah. i mean there's plenty of good companies out there but my own experience was just like a lot of them obviously are much more business oriented because they want to stay in business mm-hmm. and they have hundreds of employees to employ and stuff like that. So it's a lot more like business focused, you know, they're just like, okay, so, you know, what's our analytics for this demographic and everything else. Whereas when it came down to indie development, it was just more like, what do we think would be fun? Mm-hmm. And that was definitely what I kind of, liked most about it yeah so where did you go to school then Uh, i actually started at the art institute of seattle okay um and then i left and i went to iadt which is also in seattle it's the actual it's actually the international academy of design and technology okay um and honestly (laughs) to to be completely candid um you really don't need school for game design. <laughs> um, not not to say that going to school for it is bad. Like, you can definitely learn, um, you know, like a lot of the tools and stuff mm-hmm. you need. Um, kind of get a feel for, like, working with other people on projects and stuff like that. But if you really want to learn game design, it, with the technology and the internet and everything else, like all the tutorials online, you can pretty much figure out everything you need to do to make a game by yourself. Yeah. And, like, I, I've gone and I've talked to several people in the game industry, and I've talked to even a couple people at, like, uh, Naughty Dog about like how important a degree is and I, they actually talked about it on a panel that i went to at last year's pax mm-hmm. and they were like yeah i've never looked at somebody's uh resume and really worried about their degree i looked at their portfolio and see and just looked at what they could do and either they had it or they didn't yeah and that was basically it so it was just kind of like if you don't want to waste you know i, I, I won't say waste but if you don't want to have a ton of debt <laughs> um, and you want to do video games you can totally learn on your own just by asking questions I mean if anybody wants to ask me a question I'm totally open um, I am I have no problem helping people kind of steer them on their way um, but with the internet and everything else if you really want to make games it's not hard Yeah. especially now that Unity is doing everything that it can <laughs> to kind of make it the whole like one stop shop when it comes to game development yeah, that's that's definitely gonna help. But the, there are dozens upon dozens, probably dozens of dozens of dozens, of uh, game development uh, libraries and APIs and oh, yeah. new ones every day. You know, you, no matter what language you want to try, you know, mm-hmm. there's always something, and there's always something simpler too. Game Maker Studio, Construct, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm actually using Construct too. <laughs> Is that what you're using for? Sword and board? board, yeah. Yep. Yeah, because I'm I'm not a, a programmer. I mean, I've liked programming when I did like web programming and stuff like that in the mm-hmm. past, but I'm really art focused because that's what I've done most of my life. Okay. And uh, sword and board actually came because I lost my programmer, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And uh, I kind of need to learn how to make a game without having to worry about him being gone. Okay. And so Sword and Board was kind of to teach myself how to use this engine that I could use on my own. And then it just kind of went from there. <laughs> nice. So how do you like, uh, or do you, how are your feelings about Construct? That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, it was definitely kind of iffy at first. Um, a lot of event-based engines get a lot of flack um, mm-hmm. because you're not actually programming. Um, and the engine pretty much handles all the coding and stuff for you. Because, like, an event-based engine, you just give it events, and then it kind of extrapolates all the code and exports it out for you. Um, and so, at the beginning, I was getting a lot of flack because I was using that. And I think a lot of people also don't realize that a lot of, like, mainstream games were made in, like, engines that weren't really meant for programmers. Like, I mean, Spelunky was made in Game Maker Studio originally. Mm-hmm. Um, so same was, uh, Hotline Miami. Yep. And, and a lot of people don't really think about that when they start kind of saying stuff like that. And now that, uh, the one thing I will say about Construct 2 is they update it constantly. And, and they're always listening to user feedback. So if people are like, you know, I really want this, I really want, you know, uh, a spriter, you know, plug in for it, you know, next update, they're like, oh yeah, we have spriter now. And now uh, Construct2, uh, Sierra, the people that actually made Construct2 actually just announced that they're getting a Wii U exporter. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so that is absolutely awesome. Um, but as far as, like, uh, an engine goes, it's super easy to get into if you are somebody that doesn't really want to program or doesn't know how and uh, really wants to make a game right now. You can get into it, and uh, the community is really easy to get get into. If you have an issue or you don't know how to do something, you can just hop on the forum and ask, and usually you'll have like a response in ten minutes. And most people are nice enough to where they'll even like like basically do a mock up in Construct Two their own, and then send it to you, and be like, "Yeah, here's how you do that." And then you can kind of look at it and kind of figure out the logic and stuff behind it. And learn that way. Oh, it sounds like a great community. Yeah, no, it's it's an absolutely awesome community. I've never like had any issues with anybody on there. I've never been like trolled or told like told I was an idiot or anything like that. Like when I first started out, you know, everybody just kind of like, oh yeah, this is how you do that, and they'd kind of, you know, they understand people are still trying to learn and everything else, and I think they're just happy to have more people getting on the engine they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, like a lot of people are getting into Unity because it's like the the new big thing. It's super awesome. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of where the majority of the people are going. So they're just kind of happy to see people there. But Construct 2 is definitely, uh, definitely really good, um, especially if you want to make smaller games. I mean, Sword and Board has definitely grown much bigger than I intended. Um, but you can definitely hop into it super quickly if you want to do something like right now <laughs> so what all does uh, construct to export to now uh right now it does uh windows mac uh it does linux or linus however you want to <laughs> pronounce that um i've gotten told both <laughs> I uh, it first. does android it does ios it does web even like if you wanted to embed it in a yep. web page you could do that um, just like Unity does. Um, and then, like I said, it's getting a Wii U exporter 
it does a bunch of other stuff too but those are the only ones that i really worried about mm-hmm. when i was pushing the game because uh i mean most everybody nowadays has a pc or a mac yeah and uh so that was really the only two things that I really worried about because a lot of the event-based engines like Game Salad and stuff like that were really kind of iOS-focused. And I really didn't intend Sword and Board to be mobile, at least not on a phone. On a tablet, it could play okay, but on a phone, it would be kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And so I was really trying to look for an event-based engine that was mainly like pc and that, then I found Construct 2, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is perfect. So, And then I saw on the Kickstarter that Sword and Board is taking advantage of the Wii U exporter. Uh, yep. What What are you going to do to make it Wii U optimized? Do you have any cool user interfa- interface stuff that you're going to implement, or...? Uh, well, I'm, right now I'm probably thinking that you know it'll the game will play on the main screen and then you'll have your actual like menu on the the gamepad itself. Okay. Um, or you might be able to actually go back and forth. I'm still kind of debating on it because it's a f- kind of a fairly new development actually within the last few days because um, it literally just got put up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the the thing about Sword and Board that kind of makes it stand out from a lot of top-down adventure games is the item interaction. So I really want to have it kind of to where you can swap stuff out really quickly. Um, Because there's like 50 different item combinations out of the 10 that you actually have in that menu. So a lot of people see like, oh, you've got 10 items. Well, I need more items. Well, no, you don't. Because each of those items can be used like four different ways depending on which item it's equipped with. (laughs) So you end up with like, 50 different uses for these 10 items. So um, being able to swap those out and kind of use them in combination with each other uh, I think will be really cool on the Wii U because you'll actually have it right there in front of your face on the gamepad. And then you can just go from the gamepad right back up to the screen and go back to what you were doing rather than actually having to drop the menu down, change your stuff over, pop it back up, and then go back to playing. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be really cool. Do you have a Wii U to test it out on? Uh, I have a... I'm getting a Wii U dev kit from a buddy. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the, the dev kit... Like, Nintendo's definitely making it a lot easier for indies to develop for the Wii U. They used to have a lot of really kind of strange requirements. Like, you had to have, like, a, your own office. Yeah. Um, but like they would check to see if your office was like in a residentially zoned area. And if it was, you would get denied because they needed your office, like in, you know, an office setting. And now they just require, I think something like you need to have like your, a lock on your home office door, something like that. Um, so they're definitely making it a lot easier, but my buddy, uh, has kind of he actually has his own uh, indie incubator in Seattle, mm-hmm. and so he's getting one for them, and he's allowing me to kind of piggyback on that. <laughs> oh, speaking of Seattle, are you um, doing anything for Fax Prime? I'm actually going up tomorrow, um, so anybody that is going to PAX will probably see me running around in my sword and board shirt, <laughs> um, and then I'm doing a couple interviews. Uh, there with some people trying to kind of promote the Kickstarter because, like I said, it's only it's got five days left, 
Um, it's actually really close to its goal. I think it's at 88% right now. Okay. Um, You'll probably get funded then. Yeah, it, it's it's fairly close along. Um, but, you know, when you work on a Kickstarter promoting it for like a month and, you know, to get so close, if, if it died, I would probably cry into a pillow for a little while. <laughs> I'd probably cry for you. <laughs> yeah it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah we're we're setting one up uh for my mom's cake business and it's just holy crap yeah yeah that's awesome yeah uh we're we're getting some help from a guy uh michael cox c-o-x yeah cox um and he's worked with six Kickstarters, including Lioness, which uh, funded 400% recently, and then Fran Bao, which ended last night. I mm-hmm. I haven't even seen how that did. At Fran Bao. I think it went ridiculous, if I remember right. Or at least the Indiegogo one did or something. Yeah, the Indiegogo got 26k um, out of... 20k so they raised almost 150 percent yeah nice that's awesome but yeah all his all the projects that he's uh helped out with have been successful so hopefully Mm -hmm. he'll be able to help us and uh you know we i told him that i'd give him a shout out on the radio for uh, anybody who's interested and then we're also going to put an ad in the magazine so if anybody out there is looking to do a kickstarter and indie games or even in different areas like my mom you know michael is up for helping you he just takes a small little fee uh to make sure that he can uh, keep helping people basically that's awesome so if anybody out there needs him just give us a shout out yeah and beware of the shady people on kickstarter that offer you crazy deals yes do not to help promote things because i had that within like the first week of putting sword board up (laughs) It was it was pretty bad. <laughs> hey man, I'll uh, pay two hundred percent of your goal if you uh, if you publish with us. No, so it wasn't even. <laughs> uh, now, obviously, I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, definitely not. Um, so basically, what it boiled down to is, hey, um, like I'm a YouTuber and I have like a hundred and thirty thousand subscribers, and I help this other Kickstarter get promoted like through the roof like they were asking for this much and they got like a, like 30,000 more than they actually intended and uh, I really really like the project and I really want to help you out um, so I'll send you over a proposal blah 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 and I was like okay well alright whatever help and then they send over a proposal and it was literally so I want 50% of your game sales <laughs> 50 I, yeah, yeah. So giggle at that, and then and then it continues. So I want fifty percent of your game sales. I want fifty percent of any sales from any sequels, and I want fifty percent of your merchandise sales if there's merchandise. How so basically, he's kid? saying I want fifty percent of your IP, right? And just it's a long, more long-winded form. Are you sure? And, are you sure this person wasn't like fifteen years old? It sure felt like it, so I was like, "I was like, yeah, I'm gonna pass." Like I, I talked to them um, on Skype and stuff like that, and they seemed, you know, like a super nice person and stuff like that. 
and they probably are, but like their business practices or at least their uh, business philosophy was kind of off. Very. <laughs> and then, and then you know, another thing is they're like, oh, I really like the project and uh, I really want to help you. Well, it's just like, okay, well, then why don't you just, you know, help me rather than basically saying, I want to help you as long as I get something out of it. <laughs> that doesn't really bode well for me. Like, I help people out all the time. Like, I'll totally, you know, answer questions, promote whatever you have if it's awesome. Like, I have no problem doing that, you know? People do it for me. I'll do it for them. But... If he's got 130,000 subscribers, he can just monetize the videos of your game and make a couple bucks off of that. Yeah. If he really needs that kind of money. Yeah, or or just, like... <laughs> Just put like a a Twitter announcement up. I don't I, like something small. Even I don't care. It's it's not that hard. You don't need fifty percent to make a silly little YouTube video. I mean, right. I'm not saying that YouTube videos are silly, but you know, it's probably just going to be like, oh yeah, guys, check out this game. It's really awesome. Yeah, watch me play it. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I mean. Like I said, he seemed like a nice guy, but I was just kind of like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Sorry. Uh, so how long has Sword and Board been in development? Uh, about the last almost eight months now. Okay. Because, um, I mean, I've been doing it on my own, on the side of, like, my everyday job. Okay. Um, so, you know, basically I would, like, work my nine to five because those were my actual hours and then i would come home and pretty much neglect life and work on the game after work till probably you know midnight and then i would basically do it all over again much to my fiance's dismay <laughs> well so if you don't mind me asking uh the fiance when are you guys planning or no, when are, you, when are you guys planning to get married? <laughs> are you uh, guys we're actually we're actually getting married uh, in October, so uh, very very soon here. Um, we're actually getting married in Disneyland because we're both giant Disney fanatics. Me so because I was you know I've grown up drawing and I was always mm -hmm. into like animation and stuff like that. So I've always loved Disneyland. Okay, and. Uh, I've been a ton of times. We've gone a couple times together, and so we're getting married down there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's going to be... We're actually getting married the day before Halloween. Oh. So, Disneyland's the one in cool. California, right? Yeah. Disneyland's in California, and then Disney World's in Florida. All right. Yeah, I'm moving down to Florida. I just couldn't remember. I'm, oh, yeah? I think I'm going to be 30 minutes away from... Disney World? I'm not sure. I've never even gone, so I'm really. I'm pretty excited to see. Yeah, that's pretty see. awesome. Thirty minutes away, you should probably make the trek over. Yeah. <laughs> At least for Sometime. a day. After I get college fees out yeah. of the way, and uh, yeah, you might want to focus on that first. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll go for Christmas or something. I don't know. There you go. guys are getting married at Disneyland. That's so cool. 
Yeah, it's actually cheaper to do it that way because it's actually like all inclusive. Like they take care of everything rather than like having to pay for a venue and everything else mm. and catering and all that other stuff. We were pricing it out and we were just like, you know, it's, it's actually cheaper just to go do a destination wedding. <laughs> well, I hope you have fun with that. So October 30th. Yep. All right, so uh, everyone mark your calendars. It's a Wednesday. Go crash the wedding. <laughs> Show up in cardboard armor. Exactly. I will totally have, like, 15 SIDS as groomsmen. <laughs> it's fine by me. Perfect. Hmm. So, uh, anybody in the IRC? Oh, you do have a Twitter. Did not yep. know that. Sword and board game. Simple enough. Uh, I am scissors asked, so I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Follows you. Yep, following back now. When did you follow us? I followed you for a while. Hmm. Weird. I'm like, uh, didn't ever see the notification. I don't blame you, because I just pretty much now started promoting the game. I've I've been in hiding for a while. <laughs> hiding. <laughs> In in a cardboard fortress in your living room? Yep, exactly. With duct tape and a sheet over the top of it. Oh yeah, here it is. Wait. We replied to you. Oh, you used to be our... Uh, oh yeah, it used to be my actual name. Oh, I okay. And then I was like, I need to change this. Alright. Okay. I was like, nobody cares sense. who I am. So IRC guys... Uh, anybody got any questions? Anybody at all? Right. Obviously, if I just talk to it, we're not going to hear anything back, so. <laughs> um, so, let's say uh, Sword and Board comes out, is a success, or isn't as big of a success as you want. What are you planning on doing afterwards? Uh, making another game. <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, I, I have no problem with the game doing, like, okay or not selling a ton. Um, I, I just know that I really want to make games. So I will just continue to make games until, you know, one of them does well enough that I can kind of focus on that. Like, I mean, if I have to make games outside of, like, a normal, everyday kind of 9-to-5 job, that's totally fine because I'm, I'm doing that now. So, that's... Nothing changes there. Okay. But it would be nice that, you know, if, like, Sword and Board did well enough, just well enough that I could, like, pay the bills and actually kind of make that my full-time thing. Okay. That would be totally fine by me. I don't need, like, a Ferrari in my driveway or a huge house. That's not really something I'm counting on. I'm not really money-driven. I mean, it would be nice to be able to, like I said, just kind of sit in my office at home and work on games and still get the bills paid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if Sword and Board kind of didn't accomplish that, I would, you know, still just sit at home and work on games outside of, you know, a regular job and, you know, just keep making games till, you know, something hits that people seem to like. I mean, that's kind of the way it goes. It's like the, uh, the old, uh, the old quote for uh, success is nothing more than going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. 
So I have no problem going from failure to failure. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, I think certain boards are going to do pretty good. It's, it, it's got a very unique feel to it in it. It, you know, it kind of feels like childhood again. Cause you well, know, it is a game good. about your childhood. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really what I'm like trying to focus on and trying to get that across. Um, like the demo right now, it doesn't really get the, the mechanics across cause you only have actually one item in the demo mm-hmm. that you can find. Um, that's why I'm actually, I've done like uh, video updates and stuff that you can find on the Kickstarter that okay. actually show like how the items work and how they work together mm-hmm. because it's not like, uh, other adventure games where you have to have like your main attack weapon on one button all the time. And then you get your like secondary weapon you can use. Um, and then you kind of have to swap that secondary weapon out with whatever item comes about. Okay. Um, so for instance, like you have your your sword, mm-hmm. and then you can like equip your bombs on the other one or whatever. Um, but if you swap out your sword for like a slingshot, you can then shoot your bombs across the across the screen at like enemies and stuff like that. Um, so it's kind of intuitive, and you can kind of look at it and go, "Oh, I wonder if I use this item with this item, what it would do." And uh, it's kind of to encourage that experimentation. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have a, a snow globe item that gives you a little shield around you that kind of absorbs damage for you until it breaks. And so you can use that item by itself with your sword or whatever and kind of use it to help give you a little bit more durability in, in tougher spots. Or you can use that snow globe item with an axe, and then it'll give you, like, a little spinny axe shield that around you. So you get, like, three axes that follow you around and spin around you. And that'll uh, hit enemies and stuff like that. And each of the items can be used with different puzzles in different ways. So you end up with a ton of different item combinations and puzzles kind of based around those item combinations and how you can use them. And so I think once people are actually able to kind of get in the game and experience that for themselves, they'll kind of see why and how it's different. Oh. (laughs) Got lost in your words. Um... (laughs) But yeah, I I haven't tried out the game yet. Uh, I I want to you know play it when it's in a you know more of a beta than a demo. Yeah, no, I would honestly prefer that probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's a there's actually a lot of things that have changed since the demo that's on the Kickstarter now, um, based on actually a lot of feedback that I got from people on Kickstarter. Okay. Um, mainly like there's a, a select group of people on the Kickstarter right now that are part of the adventure game revival movement. Like they have their own website and everything else. Oh, wow. Um, and they've been super supportive. They've each like pledged a ton of money, um, and have really supported it. They're always on there commenting. Like, I mean, I think my comments are like 1300 comments mm-hmm. on the Kickstarter. And that's mainly because like they're, interacting with me and I'm talking to them or they're, or they're talking to each other um, and I've gotten a lot of feedback from them on the demo and so I've added a lot of things like uh, before you could only w- move in uh, four directions kind of like old school Zelda movement uh-huh. like up, down, left, right and that was it um, and that was a lot of feedback that I got from them that they really wanted to kind of like move in all eight directions and move diagonally and stuff like that and so finally I was just like yeah yeah, you know what, you're probably right, and since you're all, that's all something you all kind of seem to want, I'll just, I'll throw it in. So I, I 
put that in so you can move freely however you want. And then, like I said, I added more item mechanics and stuff like that into the game. And then I refined the enemy AI, because right now they just kind of wander in the demo. Okay. Um, and now they actually, like, attack you when you get within range and all sorts of stuff. And, like, you have to be facing them from a certain angle or they'll attack you like you can't attack them from the front no matter what way they're facing so you have to attack them from the side or back or else you'll get attacked and uh so that's all in there now whereas the demo they just kind of wander aimlessly and let you run up to them and kill them (laughs) that's that's really cool um how much longer do you think it'll take before that game's finished because it sounds like you got a good chunk of it done already yeah, right now it's just getting the functionality in, and then once the functionality ends, it's pretty pretty downhill from there. Um, I, I'd say it's probably got like another nine to ten months. Um, I'm pushing it right now on the Kickstarter's being done next August because I'm hoping to get it done within the next like ten months or so, and then I'll have a couple months to kind of really polish it and kind of bug fix things and really check things out before I actually send it out. All right. That way I can kind of get as much as I can refined and kind of ironed out before it actually goes out rather than finishing it and be like all right here you guys go oh and then there's a game breaking bug i didn't know about (laughs) well let's definitely get you back on air next august or september when you release and we can talk about how the whole process went yeah and then you will actually have played it by then hopefully (laughs) yep well you did add us to your uh press list right yep all right perfect then i'll be getting Updates on that? Will do. <sighs> and, of course, there's the, the Sword and Board Facebook page, which always gets updated and everything like that, too. So if anybody wants to find updates, it's pretty easy. <laughs> Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Google+. There you go. Except not Google+. I, I don't <laughs> touch that thing. <laughs> that thing. Yeah, Google+, is kind of weird, but... It's... Yeah, I I tried it once, and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I've already, like, got four other social media things. It's like... It's so much to manage. Yeah, it's just like, I have a hard enough time already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was really weird. I was working, I was actually working on a social network as a fun project. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years, two years? No. Three years ago now. Yeah, because it was ninth grade. Yep. Um, I was like, oh, hey, I should make a social network about circles, and you can add certain people to certain circles, and you can share stuff with, you know, certain circles. And then I'm I'm into development in like three months, and then Google Plus comes out, and I'm like, oh, damn it, what, what, what is this? Why did, did you they have copy it saved my idea? Google Doc? Did they steal it? <laughs> yeah. Facebook Facebook sold it to Google because I I would always talk about it on Facebook. <laughs> Hey, you guys, we've got something you might be interested in. Google, make this crappy before this kid makes it good. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Google did a good job. It just isn't isn't really hitting home because people already have Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I said, it's it's not bad, but it's just like... There's no use. It, it, yeah, it kind of came along that was it was kind of already late in the game. Mm-hmm. It was like Facebook was already around. People are already using it. People are already used to it. Like, it's it's kind of like the whole keyboard QWERTY thing. Like, 
they've done studies where they could basically reorganize the keyboard to be more efficient based on like words we use the most. Mm-hmm. But everybody's used to the way the keyboard is laid out now, and that was because of the way typewriters were. Yeah, like where the way they were made before, so they didn't jam. And so now everybody's used to that, so if we mixed it around in the more efficient way, it would just ruin our whole workflow. And it's just kind of the way that it went with, like, Google Plus and Facebook. Like, we're already used to this. It's already there. Like, you could make it more efficient or better looking, but I've already been using this for, like, three years. Like, why do I want to move all my stuff over to you? (laughs) They're probably hoping for a MySpace Facebook transition. Yeah, yeah, no. I I, I think MySpace went the the way of the dodo because they allowed, like, way too much customization. Mm -hmm. Like, if I have to go to one more sparkly, like, pot-leafed page, (laughs) I swear I'm I'm never going to touch the site again. And finally, it was just like, everybody's page was ugly. I couldn't figure out how to navigate stuff because they allowed them to move the buttons. Yeah. Like, I'm tired of it. That's what I really liked about MySpace, was that you could customize it, but as, you know, you find out when users start using your site that it's they're not always going to use it the way you intended, and then things yeah. get ugly. Yeah, like, I, I have no problem with, like, customization. Like, I like customization and things, but it's like, like you said, when people start kind of customizing it so much where it completely changes like the the navigation or the like the ui experience from page to page mm-hmm. it's like now all right now how do i get back to my page like, like tw- how do i get twitter back to my messages <laughs> twitter has it perfect you can yeah. change your background you can change the colors on your page blink color your cover photo your profile picture done yep facebook it all looks the same yeah yeah unfortunately I mean, people still use it, so yep. why not? <laughs> uh, needs to die. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are there any questions in the IRC? The IRC is so quiet. There's usually a dozen people or something in here. It's because I'm not Jonathan Blow. <sighs> Damn it! I would listen to that guy talk in his sultry tones. <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was a fun broadcast. Yeah, he could talk about bakeware, and I would listen. I don't care. Yeah, I think we got a little off topic with him, and it was still super interesting. <laughs> trying to remember. I don't even know. Remember yeah, exactly like where I was sitting, guy. though, when I when that was <laughs> that was going on. That's weird. Yeah. He seems like a really cool guy. Yeah. Definitely. Hey, you're a pretty cool guy too, though. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm not. I'm not canceling my my next game before it's in development. So that's cool. <laughs> Phil, <sighs> I want an interview with that guy so badly, yeah. and now it's going to be impossible to get it. Well, it already was impossible, but now it's like impossible times infinity. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, like. I, I don't know, like, I, I was, I saw that whole thing when it kind of went down. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think Phil gets a lot of flack. Um, I mean, granted, I think he also says a lot of things that people can definitely take the wrong way. 
But at the same time, like, when you're getting trolled constantly like that guy does, eventually there's going to be a point where you just snap. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, you can only push a human being so, so long. And, you know, Phil's not like you know, part of Microsoft where he has like a PR guy and a studio head and Mm -hmm. like people to kind of do his social networking for him. It's just kind of, you know, he's a guy like I am. And like, I've gotten trolled on stuff before too. Um, or told my game sucks or whatever. Oh, it's a pretentious piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, uh, like they'll say something like obvious that they didn't play the game. They just looked at it and made a judgment. Mm-hmm. or whatever and it's like there's definitely been times where i want to be like you know i want to tell them exactly what i'm thinking at that time but then i realize you know well game's not going to be for everybody so i just kind of you know back off or whatever and let them have their opinion and go about my day but it's like when you are somebody like phil fish who has thousands and thousands of people following him and some of them not even because they're fans of his work but because of the crap that has gone on or things they want to follow him so they know exactly what he says so they can jump on it yeah pretty much yeah and so like when you're in the public eye like that and you've got that many people kind of you know saying terrible things about you or calling you names like there's going to be a point where you just snap and there's been tons of uh, other developers that have talked about like just the the negativity or things that people have said to them about their work that have made them kind of like want to leave the industry mm-hmm. and i think there's like i found an article on it about a while back that there was like a support group for indie developers really like de- yeah like dealing with like online bullying and stuff like that which i thought was was pretty interesting um so i mean you know, it's obvious that there's kind of an issue there. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you're going to have to deal with it. But I think, like I said, Phil's just, he's had to deal with it for a while. So I'm going to cut him some slack. But don't cancel your game because I want to play it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, Tommy did a really cool piece in the Indie Game the Movie Special Edition uh I think it's called Tommy and T Internet T E H T Yeah. And he basically talks about, you know, how there's going to be people that no matter what, they're just going to downvote it cuz they want to be different, they want to have attention and that they don't have any respect for you in the first place. Right. So, you know, why should you care about them? Why should you care about their opinion really? It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if they don't have any respect for you to begin with. You you don't need to earn their respect. They're not worth it. Yeah. No, exactly. And, like, like that's totally true. Because, I mean, you know, a lot of people are out there. You know, you, you when you can hide behind a computer mm-hmm. and be completely anonymous, you know, all of a sudden people get, you know, 12 feet tall and bulletproof. Pretty much. And, and they're usually the people that aren't, aren't going to say a word if they're in earshot of you kind mm-hmm. of a deal, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that's, that's very true. Like if they're just kind of out to kind of get you, then kind of let them, let them go on with their life and just don't really try to pay them no mind. There's a lot of good things in uh indie game, the movie 
that especially like in the the special edition com- commentary because I had watched that movie probably eighty times. Um, because for a while it was like my routine. Like I would come into my office, I would turn on my computer, switch on my Wacom tablet, and then put on Indie Game the movie. And like, cause I'm super ADD, so I have to have stuff playing in the background while I work. Mm-hmm. I can't just work in complete silence. And I would like have it playing and then it would get to the end and I would just pop it back to the beginning. <laughs> So I had it playing in the background, and by by the time the special edition came out, uh, I had watched it so many times; it's un- unbelievable. And then I bought it. I, I paid for the special edition, even though I had already watched it a ton, just because I wanted to see what the extra content was, mm-hmm. and it was awesome. Yeah, I, I made a website um, for a client, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we can give you this much money." I'm like, you know what? Let's chop that in half. You can buy, you can pre-order this movie online for me, and just pay me up front. You know, with this movie, and we'll, we'll call it even. They're like, uh, Done. okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I would totally, totally take that deal. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in that movie. I, I really like Tommy and Edmund, mm-hmm. especially. Yeah, we're hoping to get Tommy on this winter. Uh, oh yeah, we're talking to him about it, but he doesn't know if he'll be up for it because he's really busy with eugenics. Yeah, programming. And of course, I decided Cat to food. contact him like a week before PAX, not even you know thinking about PAX, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm really busy right now. Sorry." I'm like, oh. Yeah. But yeah, after we get Tommy, we just need Phil to get the indie game movie cast. Come on, Phil. Yeah. Come you already on, got Phil. John and Edmund. Come on, Phil. <laughs> come on, Phil. You know you want to. I'm gonna come find yeah. you. I'm gonna come. Yeah, find I you uh, I emailed Lisa Ann and James a while back, and was like, "Your movie is amazing." <laughs> and they actually wrote me back, which was really cool. Yeah, they write everyone back. It's amazing. Yeah, James didn't just write me back. He wrote me like, uh, friggin' half of a memoir. It was fantastic, mm-hmm. which, which is great to see because I was so just expecting like a a sentence like "oh thank you," and then it was like no like this whole like awesome thing he wrote me um, because it was pretty much like indie game the movie that really kind of pushed me into doing indie game development and like wanting to make the move to Hashbang mm-hmm. was because uh, I was. Uh, Big Fish is really cool about, like, trying to create a really happy, fun environment so they would let us watch movies while we worked, mm-hmm. um, especially those of us that didn't, like, have to do phone stuff or anything like that. So uh, I I would sit there and watch movies, and one day I, I watched Indie Game the movie, and I was, you know, watching Edmund and Tommy, and I was like, why the hell aren't I making movies, like, m- making my my own games right now? Like, there's two guys in this movie... And they're doing it. Like, why can't why, I? Why can't I? And, uh, you know, I had experience making games at that point, but it was like always with the team, always with the programmer. Um, and so I really kind of was like, well, you can do it on your own. And then I had a programmer, and then he ended up moving to California and getting a job. And, like, we had this idea for this, like, 2D platform puzzle game. 
I did a ton of artwork for it, ton of ideas, and then all of a sudden it just kind of went poof. <laughs> and then he moved, and he was like, yeah, I'm too busy doing you know my normal programming job, so I can't really do it. And then I was kind of left with all these ideas and no way to kind of get them going. I'm too mainstream to help you out with your game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wish it was like that. Yeah, he... I don't know, he just got busy with stuff, mm-hmm. and then, I don't know, it was just, like, it was kind of heartbreaking, because I was really excited about the project, and we had really done a lot of, you know, ideas, like, idea brainstorming for it, and like I said, I had done artwork, um, and all sorts of stuff, concept art and everything, and then I kind of had to watch it die, because I didn't have any way to, like, get it going, mm-hmm. and then I was like, well, I need to find... a an engine that I can use without a programmer. So if this happens again, I can still do it on my own. And then I was like, well, all right, I'm going to do a little game so I can figure out how to do this. (laughs) I was like, what would be a little game? Because at first I was almost thinking too small. I was like, oh, I'll just do like a little asteroids mock-up, right? Mm -hmm. But I was like, but that's not going to teach me a lot of the things that I would need for the 2D like puzzle platform game. I was like, that's going to leave a lot of, like, functionality for me to still learn. So I was like, well, what would be complex enough but still simple? I was like, well, a top-down adventure game would be complex and simple. And then it started off very complex and, or, or, you know, complex but still simple enough. And then it kind of grew, and then it just became complex. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you'll... uh do the 2d puzzle platformer deal yeah that's that's definitely the intention um i think it'll be a lot of fun i'm hoping i mean if if like the clouds parted and you know angels sing and uh, everything went my way like i said um even if sword and board didn't make a ton of money if it made enough to kind of help me make my next game i would love to just be able to sit down and focus on that 2d puzzle platformer um, that'll probably be the next game after Sword and Board, regardless of what happens. But it would just make it easier. It's, um, so, it's so weird when you said, when if the clouds part, it got all sunny here. <laughs> Maybe I have some magic there, and it doesn't work here because I live in Seattle, and it's usually raining. Yeah, that, that makes it difficult. <laughs> <laughs> the weather's actually been nice, but... So, can, can you tell us a little bit about the 2D puzzle platformer game? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I've always been, like, a, a huge kind of, like I said, um, I grew up in the 80s. And mm-hmm. so, like, you know, 2D side-scrolling games was, like, all the rage. And then, like, I got into, later on, like, with the PlayStation, like, Abe's Oddworld. Okay. And uh, I really liked kind of how that did puzzles it was kind of like each screen was its own little thing and you kind of had to figure out a way to navigate like obstacles and enemies and use kind of like your powers and stuff like that to kind of get through that scene to the next area um and that's kind of what this is going to be um so without giving away too much it basically is all all about this little kid in his backpack and uh his backpack 
without being too cryptic, um, has special powers that it has and like little upgrades that you get along the way. And it's all about being able to kind of switch between these little abilities that his backpack allows him to have to kind of get through each scene. Okay. Uh, but the theme's going to be kind of dark. Um, dark. Because it basically, it's all about him, like, being in a coma and trying to figure out why he's in a coma and kind of get through his own little headspace so you're actually in his head at the time. Okay. Um, so it, it's a little darker toned and everything else um it's not super super childhood like like sword and board is mm-hmm. um but yeah it's definitely going to be a lot more emphasis on like puzzles and using your backpack to kind of guide yourself through each scene through the game okay but i'll just not tell too much <laughs> Secrets. It's actually, yeah. Uh, not, not that I, I want to hide a ton of stuff, but there's also stuff that I don't entirely know what I'm going to do yet. Because, mm-hmm. like, we were getting into it, and we were discussing ideas and stuff like that. And then, you know, everything kind of just went to a halt. Yep. And then I was kind of left with some general ideas kind of on the table but that weren't completely fleshed out yet. Okay. So, hopefully... I'll be able to actually sit down and, like, really flesh it out and get it together. And who um, knows, maybe you'll find a programmer. I've actually talked to a couple, um, and one that I've been actually talking to right now um, that hopefully will pan out. Um, unfortunately, I've been, like, burned by a couple, mm-hmm. either because, you know, like I said, the first one got a job in California and moved, and then another one was like, yeah, yeah, I'll totally work. And then it turned into, like, weeks later, it was like, well, I'll work if you pay me this. And it was like, I'm just a guy. <laughs> uh, I'll work if you give me 50% on your IP. Yeah, 50% of the IP, 50% of your merch sales. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I am scissors has quit. No. <sighs> no. Come back. Alright, so it looks like our RC's pretty much dead then. He's the only guy that talked the entire time. Well, you did too. But. Or are you Pikmin four thousand? Or Amado? <laughs> X three's a bot, so that's pro- he's probably not gonna ask us questions. I'm gonna ask him actually. Do you or X3, do you have any questions for Robert? Let's see if it replies. It probably won't. Because you didn't give it command. Nope, nothing. Hmm. Uh, any big games that you're looking forward to? Indie or main, main or like AAA or whichever? Uh, you know, like, all the games that I'm really looking forward to are games that have actually been out for a while. Um, because I, like, I literally, uh, I was trying to get the game ready to go to San Francisco so I could show it there and everything right before, like, Kickstarter happened. And so I was in crunch for a couple months. And so, like, you know, Bioshock Infinite came out. Okay. And, like, everybody's trying to tell me about it. And I'm like, just shut your mouth. <laughs> 
you know, I'll play it later. So I'm, I'm still looking forward to actually, like, getting some time to play Bioshock Infinite. Um, Dead Space 3, though everybody's kind of mixed about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really liked, you know, uh, Dead Space 2, so I kind of want to see what happens after that. I have the first one on my phone. Oh, really? Yeah, I had the uh, Xperia Play, so it had the game pad, like, built into it. Nice. Yeah, I should have upgraded. Thank God. Yeah, I've been playing a lot more of Super Meat Boy. Still getting my butt kicked on it. Um, I'm in World 5, finally. I'm so excited. Really? Yeah. I I can't beat any of the levels, but... (laughs) (laughs) I'm in World 5. Yeah. And then, uh... I'm actually looking forward to the Diablo 3 expansion, believe it or not. So... Uh, Diablo 3 gets a lot of hate, but I'm actually looking forward to it. I don't know, like, all my friends that have an opinion about Diablo, like, go fanboy to the heart, start drooling, look up in the sky. (sighs) Yeah, like, I mean, it definitely has a lot of flaws, especially when you compare it to, like, older Diablo games. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because Diablo 2 I played forever. Um, So it definitely has flaws when you compare it, which is weird, because it's like, really, like... You, you should have made those things better. You're a newer game. Like, um, but at the same time, like, I played that game for, like, two to three hundred hours before I finally got, like, tired of it. So to have a game that you paid 60 bucks for, that you played for 300 hours still, is a damn good investment. Like, most games you pay 60 bucks for, you pay, you know, play for 10 to 20 hours, and then you finish it. Mm-hmm. So, you paid twenty it, cents an hour. I just yeah. looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you know, it, it's pretty awesome. And Blizzard, in typical Blizzard fashion, um, you know, might have released the game before it was entirely ready. But all they've done since then, with people complaining about certain features not being there, or wanting something in the game that's not there for like endgame stuff that are always adding it. I, I can't think of one thing that I've actually seen suggested on like the forums or whatever mm-hmm. um, that's actually not getting put in either in the expansion or hasn't already been put in in like patch updates. Okay. So I mean it, it's if, you, if anybody listens to this that first played Diablo 3 when it first came out it was it, it's a completely different game now. <laughs> so definitely worth giving it a try again even if you still don't like it but it's definitely not worth without its flaws but I don't think there's any game out there that's completely perfect <laughs> yeah I, it's pretty much impossible to make the perfect game yeah I mean you know you can make you can look at what's popular or whatever, but it's still not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just kind of one of the things, especially if, you know, so you're somebody that w- that's wanting to develop games or is just getting into v- developing games is something you have to remember and try to, like, not take it to heart or let it discourage you. There's going to be people out there that don't like your game simply because of, like, what genre it is or... You know the art style, or well, whatever it's else. 2D, it's not a real game. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Or it's like a, the the main thing that I've gotten is because it's like super cartoony. Mm-hmm. People don't like it. It's, it's like, a good cartoony though. Like some games are cartoony, and it's like, yeah, this is a game that was probably made in a week by a big company for a mobile device. Yeah, your your, your art style is good. It's <laughs> it's a good cartoony. Well, thank you. But you know, like like there's you know gonna be people out there that you know that might not be their thing, and so like I understand that. Like that that's totally fine. But that's definitely something. I think all developers either have learned or still need to, you know, just because somebody doesn't like your game doesn't mean, uh, that you made a bad game. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else that you'd like to mention or should we uh, wrap it up? Uh, well, other than everything we've talked about, anybody that listens to this, for the love of Pete, go to the Kickstarter. <laughs> go to the Kickstarter. Yeah, I mean, right now it's it's getting down to the wire. It's got five days left, and uh, I mean it's it's eighty eight percent funded. So I mean it's really close. But like I've been I've been promoting it for you know a whole solid month. I went to San Francisco and promoted it down there. So like it's been like a second second job at this point. So. I mean, promoting it now that it's getting down to the wire is, like... It, it's pretty scary, to be honest. Like, to have it that close, like, teetering on the edge. It's like, is it going to do it? You know? I mean, everybody that I've kind of... Uh, kind of expressed my uh, my fears to is like, just shut up. Like, it's going <laughs> to make it. It's like, it's got, like, 830 more dollars. Just shut mm-hmm. up. Like... And I'm just like, but, 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 and there's just, just quiet your face. Yeah, there's but, some weird statistics um, with Kickstarter, and if, if you uh, have a certain amount by a certain time frame, you're pretty much guaranteed to make it, and it looks like you fit those statistics pretty well. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to share them. It's Michael's, Michael's stats. I don't want to share it with the <laughs> world and then him be like, oh my god, you ruined my, my everything. Yeah, I no. think something they said something like it, most uh, most projects that get above like eighty percent or whatever will usually get funded, mm-hmm. even if it's within that last week or whatever. And of course, you know, there's sites like KickTrack and stuff that you can use too when you do your Kickstarters. Kind of look at like what it's trending to mm-hmm. and as stuff as, like that. As long else? as you get a good number of backers, it always explodes at the end. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. there was one. One Kickstarter that I saw, not gonna mention who it is. I blocked him. Um, <laughs> he uh, he had a game up, and he wanted. I'm not gonna use exact numbers. I think it was like fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. He raised like ninety dollars, and oh, that was that was terrible. I, I felt so bad too because he was constantly asking people like, "Oh yeah, check out my game." Yeah. Like, ah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. You, yeah. You, your game what, what idea is... isn't that good. It's not. Nope. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, it definitely happens, unfortunately. I mean, I, I tried to, like I said, I, I had about seven months, uh, just doing art and stuff like that, and getting functionality built in the game before I did the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And even then. 
like I said, like the demo right now that's up there, like you can play it. Um, you can go through and kind of see like the general premise and stuff and kind of get a feel more so for the artwork. Mm-hmm. But like the overall like actual item mechanics, you don't really get to feel yet because I only have that one item in the demo. So I don't know. I mean, it definitely it definitely helps to kind of spend more time kind of developing your Kickstarter before you launch it. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely seen projects go up that it was like, did you do the artwork over the weekend and then put this up? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, my first video that I did for Kickstarter was, like, recorded on my iPad. Mm-hmm. Like, it was very basic. I just kind of put it up, and then somebody actually helped me out and went through and re-edited it and put it together and did a did a much better job than I did. Nice. I think I might yeah. have seen the original. I'm not sure. Yeah. One of the guys that helps with uh, Clobber, like, it's a mobile game. Okay. Um, they are the ones that helped me out with the video. Sweet. So what what did they do to the video then? They basically took, uh, like, in-game footage that they kind of had done. Because um, before, it really started off with, like, me talking, and then it kind of went into the game towards the end. And I think a lot of people were kind of like, all right, you're talking too much. Like, yeah, show me I the damn that. game kind of a deal. <laughs> um, so they actually brought the game footage to the beginning kind of did a cool little uh like intro with the logo um and added some music on top of it and then cut to me talking and kind of put me talking in with some more like gameplay footage so it it definitely comes across a lot better because before like i said it was literally me talking and then cut some gameplay footage and then cut back to me and that's the end (laughs) (laughs) But that's also why I put the demo up, so it was like, if you don't want to watch this video and kind of watch me play it, you can just play it. Alright, well, I think we're going to wrap this up. Um, oh, are you going to be at GDC? Uh, I honestly don't know if I'll be there this year. Um, I'm hoping. Uh, but it's still kind of up in the air. Yeah, I'm thinking this might be my first year going as long as I can get financial stuff figured out. Yeah, that's kind of my my issue at the moment. It's just figuring out if I'll have the money. Because, like, with the wedding and everything else, mm-hmm. that's been money out the wazoo. <laughs> yeah, the, the ticket's not the problem. I can I could probably get a press press uh, ticket if, if I really wanted to. Yeah, but it's just the plane ticket from Florida mm-hmm. to California. That's, I think, four hundred dollars round trip. Yeah, I can don't, imagine. Don't have that. Airfare from Florida. Ugh. Would it be cheaper driving? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I've thought about it. Not, probably not that far. Yeah, that's pretty much from coast to coast. Yeah, and that would take ages. Yeah. See, that's another thing, too, is, like, is it worth driving and saving the money and being, you know, completely exhausted from driving? Yeah, I'm probably going to miss a day or two of school for this, so, huh? Yeah. But, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thanks for being on air, and uh, we're going to do the credits right after this short music break, so...
Thanks a bunch, Robert. It was fun Thank talking. Thank you. Thank you for listening to broadcast number 40 of Indie Radio. This broadcast was broadcasted live with 1,000 mics and was recorded using Audacity. All music was found on Newgrounds under the Creative Commons license. We have an upcoming issue of Indie Power Magazine coming out... uh, What day is it? September 21st. And then the next broadcast of Indie Radio is in two weekends on September 14th, which is a week before the magazine so maybe i should switch those around uh thank you again for listening in and we hope to have you be a part of the next broadcast and check out our magazine check out indie function and everything else so have a great weekend